You're listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly interviews on topics to help entrepreneurs make their first or next step in business the right one. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. If you were to stop what you're doing right now to reflect on the last week, month, or even year of your life, do you feel like it has just passed you by? I regularly hear people say, I cannot believe it's already this late in the year. Time is just flying by. This has always bothered me because it makes me wonder, are we enjoying our lives or are we just so busy being busy that we're not even really living them? In this episode, I am talking with Scott O'Neill. Scott is the CEO of Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment, a global sports company that includes some of the most iconic teams in the world, including the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers and the NHL's New Jersey Devils. Today, Scott provides us with a fresh perspective about work and life and how we can make both more meaningful by doing what he calls being where your feet are. For links to resources that will be mentioned during this episode, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 116. And now let's not wait any longer. Here's my conversation with Scott O'Neill. Scott, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. Alex, love what you're doing. I love the work you're doing to help entrepreneurs um, as a failed entrepreneur and someone who comes from a family of them and someone who invests in startups and someone who's on the board of a couple. I can tell you is we need the help and we need your guidance, your leadership and the way you engage guests to help us. We, we very much appreciate what you're doing. I love that. Thanks so much for that, man. I appreciate it. Also, I believe that as we're recording this, uh, congratulations are in order. Right now, the Philadelphia 76ers are currently in the playoffs and the number one ranked Eastern Conference team, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? That is right. Congratulations. Uh, That's great. That's so fun. And we've got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are two global iconic superstars. And the NBA is a league that's defined by your your greatest link or your greatest stars. And we have two of the brightest stars in the sky. Yeah, I love it. I'm looking forward to seeing where you continue to, you and the team, of course, take this team and this franchise. So congrats to you again on that. Uh, I picked up a copy of your book, Be Where Your Feet Are, mostly because of the title. When I saw the title, I was like, I've got to pick up this book. And I have to say, I was not disappointed at all. I mean, you had so much practical application in this book and just transparent and humble stories throughout from your own journey, your life. And before we get into this topic, and after I just said that there, what made you decide to write this book? Because I don't usually hear a lot of people that are in sports or CEOs like you necessarily deciding to do something like this. But was there a specific like experience in your life or event that made you decide it was time to write something like this? I do. I, I had, unfortunately, my, my best friend, uh, Will Carden, took his own life. And um, I was at his funeral, and I was speaking, and I'm out looking over the congregation and I'm looking at his five kids and uh, I mean, they call me uncle Scott I and mean, I'm, I'm their family to me. And the only thing I could think about was he will never teach them another lesson and he will never share another experience. He will never share a story. And uh, I spiraled into some pretty nasty grief at the time. And it was a, a precursor to what a lot of people uh, went through at, during the pandemic, unfortunately, in terms of isolation and, and, and I was struggling. And so I started writing to heal. And not to write a book, but literally just writing down stories and lessons learned. And um, a, a good friend of mine, Randall Wright, came to see me. It's like, you have to share this with people. Like, this can actually, and I was like, no, it's not really my thing. And uh, he's a writer. He's written, you know, published 12 books or so. And and, um, and then I, I kind of, I like the notion of it. I, I spend my life, I pop out of bed in the morning because of two things. I want to leave the world better than I found it. And I want to help develop the next generation of great leaders. And so this fits very nicely in terms of that, that mission. So I got comfortable with that. I mean, whether I'm at church or at home or at work, 
that's what what gets me geared up and ready to go. So I, it, it, was, it was consistent with kind of my values. And it's also not a pat yourself on the back. Hey, let's uh, take a victory lap dance. Um, that's it's just not that kind of book, uh, which I wouldn't have been comfortable with. This is um, this is very much a let's appreciate the journey and the life lessons when we stumble, trip and fall, because I think that's what life is. I don't think the Insta famous or TikTok famous world where everything is filtered and everything, you know, I, was, I always say everything is awesome. Like that, that uh, Lego, that <laughs> yeah, Lego like, movie. Yeah. Like, it doesn't work. Like I, I it's not real. And, right. and, um, and your filtered picture of your kid who got into Yale, good for you. And your daughter who scores the winning goal. Amazing. And I still want to see that. I, I don't want that to stop. I, but, but I do want people to understand that when you peek behind the curtain, it's a little, life's a little messy. And that has to be okay. And we have to be okay talking about it. We have to be okay raising our hand if we need help or seeking help. And that that can be if you're an entrepreneur and you're and you're running out of cash and, and the stress is at an all-time level. You know, you know, it's remember that show, you know, who you gonna who, who's the friend? You your phone. You know, we we need connection. We need to help each other. We need to understand that that when you're in the eye of your storm, you can get some help. Man, that's so good. And you're already sharing some just great perspective and really reinforcing what I've already said about this book, that it's just really transparent. It's built off a place of humility and just, again, sharing your story. So I really appreciate everything you're saying right here already. And I think a great place to really start this conversation as we kind of dive into some points from the book itself would be to really just start with a definition, which is really your first chapter of the book, but be where your feet are. What does that mean necessarily? Can you explain it a little bit more? Sure. In its simplest form, the way I, I talk about it with my daughters, my three daughters, is uh, phone down, head up. That's the simplest way I can explain it. Um, and um, but it, but it's it's more than that. When you when you get a little older, um, it's about um, making sure that when you're spending time, you are wholly present. Um, like, you know what I found. You know, I'm 51 years old, so I, I've been through the through the, the through the the mill, if you will. I, I've seen a few things here and there. And, and the one thing I learned is that time is our most precious thing in, that we have in the world. And we have to choose how to spend it. And if you're a parent and you've got chaos in the morning, getting the kids ready for school, and then they've got homework and, you know, they've got sports and basketball and cheerleading for my daughters and boyfriends, which I don't want to talk about. And then they've got, <laughs> they've got you know, I'm at work and I come home and how much time do I have? I mean, the pandemic gave us a family dinner, but I hadn't been to a family dinner in 25 years. I'm always working. But that time, it's not about like, because I've never seen anybody successful that doesn't work and reasonably hard. And if you're an entrepreneur, you know the game. Like you are working, 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 working. When you hop off that treadmill and you walk through that door, you've got to be a husband or you have to be a partner. You have to be a, a dad or a mom or a friend, you know, and, and we have to carve that time out and we have to be there. Um, I, my, the, the worst example or best example is, you know, I'm, I'm coming out of the pandemic. I'm finally getting comfortable going out to a restaurant. I connect with a few friends. We slide out to the Continental Tavern. It's a cool little burger place in town. And it's 20 minutes into dinner and five of us are on our phones. And I was like, hey, what are we doing? I haven't seen you guys in a year. And, and if you look around and you think about the time we have together, you've got a chance and a choice. And if you want to spend it on your phones, then like cancel dinner. Um, but if we have time together, let's engage. And, and it's hard. You know, I got to tell you, like coming out of COVID, it's like we lost a little bit. Like we lost small talk. We lost conversations because we didn't have a lot to talk about. How was your day? I was on 20 Zoom calls in my PJ. How was your, you know? Um, so, so we have to go out and, and become interested, you know, um, be less interesting and more interested. Ask questions, engage, but just tuck that phone away. Leave it in your glove, glove department. I promise you. Nothing will happen on Twitter 
in the 40 minutes you're out, that will change your life. I promise you, it won't. The other nice thing about this whole idea of putting your phone away and keeping your head up that I really like is this is just a point about phones in general. Your text messages will still be there later. If you don't look at them right now, that's the point of them. And I remember at one point, and Scott, you might remember this as well, people didn't expect an immediate response from text messages. The point was you can look at it later. It was not urgent. And now I, I get people that give me a problem for this a, a lot. They're like, man, Alex, something takes you four hours to get back to me with when I send you a text. I'm like, well, if I'm doing something else, then I'm doing something else. And actually, you'll, you'll enjoy knowing this. I've been writing down the words, be where your feet are for about a year now that's in my journal. I write them down every single day and remember that. And that's why my phone is not around. That's fantastic. Ah, that's, that, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's a good, I mean, hey, it'd be great reinforcement for all of us. I, I just think about, I think about what, what really matters. I, I always get asked, you know, how can you find work-life balance? I'm like, there is no work-life balance. Like, it's about being present. It's about appreciating the time you have. It's about understanding your WMI, your what's most important. Because once you prioritize and understand what that is and write it down, here's what's important at work. Here's what's important at life. Here's what's important in my relationships. Here's what's important in health. And then you do a little audit. You go to your calendar and say, okay, am I spending my time in what I claim to be what's, my most, what's most important? And the answer for me was not very good. I mean, it wasn't, it was 22%, okay, my first audit. And I'm like, uh-oh. So I either, either need to be, be truthful, look in the mirror and say, okay, here's what's critically important to me or here's what's not, and, uh, or allocate my time differently. But that's the first step. And then once you allocate that time, you have to decide, because the brain doesn't work. Like, the brain doesn't multitask. It just doesn't. It's, just, it's, it's a complete misnomer. Uh, we've been sold a bill of goods. And, like, you can be so much more efficient and effective if you focus on what you're doing and you be where your feet are. I really couldn't agree more. In this point, you call it in the book, again, as you said as well, WMI, what's most important. And you have a quote from Stephen Covey, which I absolutely love. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And uh, that's a quote that I've always loved, makes everybody smile when you say it, right? But it's, it's so true. But if somebody's saying, okay, I understand this, to be more a feed are, I need to first off identify what my most, most important things are, right? How would you even begin doing that? Like putting this into practice yourself? Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I do it. I did it and do it. So I have those different categories I talked about. It's like work, family, relationships, and health, health and wellness. Um, I have a faith one too. I know that, that people don't, aren't always comfortable talking about uh, faith things. I, I just, we talk about it here, so that's okay. You can? Okay. Good. Yeah. As a quick aside, I just I think people need stillness in their life. And, and you don't have to find it in prayer and meditation or church services. I, I understand that. That's where I find it. But you can sit outside and, and meditate. You can do yoga and find that stillness. You can go for a walk. You can listen to the birds chirp. But you need to find that peace and inner stillness and reflective strength um, to help the rest of your life. And I, I and for some of you, if you're a 27 year old entrepreneur and you're going 20, you know, 200 miles an hour and you're working 18 hours a week, you are probably about to turn this off. And I will say, hold on a second, because I was you once too. And I fought it off from my coach who's telling me, Scott, you got to meditate. You got to meditate. I said, meditate. I can't sit still for three seconds. <laughs> you know, but I can tell you like it's a discipline and you got to get better at it. And so you've got to find that. And if you, if you, if you can find it in uh, in church or scriptures or prayer, do it. And if, if you need some other outlet, find it, but you've got to, you got to do it. Have to find it. Um, but anyway, going back to your core question is, is so it's, it's, you know, for health and wellness, what do you, what's important to you? Um, you know, it's, is it your intake? Does it, does it matter to you what you, what you eat or drink? 
Um, your exercise, does that matter to you? I mean, it matters to me. Those two things matter to me. So I prioritize that. And to do that, it takes a little time, as you know, like you, it's, it's easy to roll down to in and out burger. Like it's, it takes you five minutes. You know, it, it's a little harder to, to, to make a, uh, a, a kale smoothie, which my wife mocks me for. Um, but I will tell you, you know, and, and yes, I have to get certain, um, things from the, from the grocery store and I have to prepare and it takes a little longer, but, uh, but, uh, but to me, that's important. So I prioritize it. Um, in terms of work, um, Brendan Bouchard, my coach, we, we were talking about Brendan before we hopped on the show. I know you've read his stuff and, um, and love him as, as like I do, but he says that, um, high performers spend 65% of their time on the three things that matter most in their job. And I will tell you as a, again, I, I was running a company called hoops TV back in the dot-com, um, boom bust era. And, um, and I didn't, you know, I, I was president. I thought, I thought being a president was everything else other than the three things that actually matter, which were raise money, build traffic, drive revenue. That's the only thing that mattered. And I was doing everything else because I thought being a president carried this other stuff. And I, and I wonder if in your job, whether you're an entrepreneur and running a company or you're running a small business or you're aspiring to be a leader or manager, I, I wonder how you're spending your time. And a simple audit of your calendar, literally write out the things that matter most, go through your work calendar, take the buckets and just create one bucket for other. And if it doesn't go on those three most important things, just drop it in the other bucket. And I, and I, I am, I will tell you that, that the exercise didn't, didn't do, do me very good other than to wake me up. And so I'd go through that weekly until you start to allocate your time more effectively. And those of you that don't have control of your time, I get that because some of us have, have bosses and supervisors and managers. That's welcome to life. It just means that the time that you do have, you better allocate effectively. I think this is really a powerful point that you're sharing here. And it kind of goes back to something you said a little while ago, where you're talking about, forget the balance side of things, just again, be where your feet are, right? And I think that so many of us use the example of fitness and nutrition, it's an easy one. So I always pick on that one, if you will. But when you're in the gym, it means don't be texting, it means get a really good workout in, even if it means you're only there for 30 minutes instead of an hour, right? Just get a really good workout in because you're saying that's important, and you're prioritizing it, then actually show that by putting distractions aside. So you can just focus on that main thing. Same at work. If work is really important to you, let's just say it's your your side hustle or your startup, right? The entrepreneurial side, figure out the things that really matter in it and do those not the things that traditionally when you look at like the, uh, I just call them like the influencer CEOs or, or, or entrepreneurs that are out there. When you look at them, what they spend their time doing, don't do that, figure out what it is for you, because many of them, they've, they've more so arrived, right? If they have a staff of 100 people, their job looks different than yours. When your feet on the ground is just you running. This is a really good, important, important point. What's most important? I love that we're really covering this here. I love that too. I, I love uh, the notion of that. You know, because we were like, we, we, I, during COVID, we bought a, a pelt. I'm more like a pickup hoop player. So that's my exercise. It's my escape from the world. I still play. Um, the only thing that works is my mouth, but I still, I can still play a little bit. <laughs> um, but, but I bought a Peloton and I'm one of those Peloton lunatics. Okay. So it's 45 minutes of full sweat. And like the notion of actually, I don't bring my phone into the room. Like, I, I think we need a break. Our brains need a break. We need a break. You know, it's like, get the phone out of your bedroom. That's the other thing. You wake up in the middle of the night. What do you do? What are we looking for at three in the morning? What? Now I can't sleep. So I'm, I'm always bouncing, you know, my, my mind's uh, racing. Uh, but I think we, we need to do a better job. We need to be better, do better. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. And yeah, the phone is one very practical example of this, but this is the same with anything else when it comes to your thoughts. Hey, Alex Sanfilippo here, and I want to take a quick moment to intentionally serve the world with you. Here's what I want you to do. 
Think of the one person you know who would most benefit from listening to this episode today. Now, I want you to send it to them, but also include an encouraging note explaining why you share this episode with them specifically. By doing this, you're helping me grow this podcast and you're also adding value to the people you care about. With that said, thank you for your continued support. It means the world to me. And now let's get back to today's episode. Something that you talk about in the book that I think would be very helpful to discuss for a moment here is you talk about you have to stop doing what's not most important. And I know this is a simple, again, putting things in that other bucket and even having to move them off. How do you really identify what's not important when it's something that you seem to do a lot? Like, how do you begin training yourself to move away from those things? An exercise we do at work that's been really effective is what we call it stop, stop, start, continue. And so, you know, you know, at the end of the day, like there are several steps to change, change anything. Um, but the first is deciding that you want to change. Um, and so you have to become aware. So you have to do the research and do the awareness. And then we literally set up a little chart, start, stop, continue, <clears throat> put the, and, and you need to write on a piece of paper, what you need to start doing that you're not doing currently, what you need to stop doing that you're doing. That's, that's clogging your calendar and making you less efficient, effective, and present. And, and what do you need to continue doing that you're currently doing that's working effectively? That's a really simple exercise to go through. Everybody should go through it. They should do it no less than once a month. That's a good point. Do you have your staff do that on a regular basis? Is that we something do. you guys are okay? Wow. We do. Yeah. That's very cool. Got a pretty, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a unique culture. Like when you come into our, <laughs> when you come into our conference rooms, you, you check your phone at the table. Uh, we have a little phone table and, and, you know, our, our Gen Z's are ready to like, you know, like, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm like, what do you want me to do? How am I going to take notes? I, uh, I'm like, you'll be okay. It's going to be okay. But, but that, that is about like, because I believe in um, just connection of people. And I believe that, um, you know, before meetings, it's like an elevator. You know, remember, you know, in the old days, you ride up an elevator, nobody say a word. Now, everywhere is like that because you go in and you just throw on your phone. It's almost like an insecurity. I'm like, put your phone down, look to your right, look to your left. How was your weekend? Hey, I know you went to a wedding last week. How'd it go? Hey, I know you have a new product launch next week. Anything you need help with? There's that stuff before and after the meetings. We just need to get better at it. We need to go back to the, you know, we need that connection. We had the gift during COVID with all these Zooms. We've seen people in their bathrobes. We've seen their cats, their pets, their kids, their partners, their friends, their, you know, their living room, their family room, their den, you know, everywhere in between. And, and that's a gift. And I think we need to keep that gift rolling. Um, and that has to start with just basic conversation. I know it sounds so simple and it is, uh, but the discipline to do it's a little harder. Yeah, I really agree with you there that it is so important to to do that and to like you're saying, look up and be there, be present with other people's lives. Uh, it, it's it's such an important point. Now that I'm thinking about this for the early stage entrepreneur that's rolling solo, this was you at one point, I know you had like a business partner when you're doing your startup. But for that person that maybe is just like kind of struggling with this, what are some first steps to actually be able to implement this? Because they don't have you telling them to check their phone in, right? Like, how do they actually start having the discipline to do this? Do you have any recommendations for somebody that's in that boat? I think the hardest thing is when you have a side hustle. I really do. Because because you have your core job and then you have your side hustle in it. And the only thing I would encourage you to do there is do your job, then do your side hustle. I would not be mixing those two. I wouldn't be at two o'clock doing side hustle stuff and at seven o'clock, I wouldn't be doing core business stuff. You've got to find a way, like a, put a line of demarcation into your calendar that gives you time. If you need two hours a day on your side hustle, just carve them out. If they have to be during the day, that's okay. Carve them out. Do one to three. Just put it right in your calendar. 
Um, but, but like the notion that you can flip back and forth over the course of the day, I think is very, very challenging to build anything meaningful and sustainable. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's the, the flipping back and forth, but many of us that's become the, the lifestyle. Like we just kind of follow, I don't know, follow the shining object, right? So we're just kind of running around and jumping into whatever we can do. Now, for me, let's just imagine that I'm just getting started, which I'm early stages in entrepreneur as a startup founder. And maybe I just don't have built in coaching yet, right? I don't have like a HR department or accountability internally. Do you recommend implementing some accountability through your spouse or friends or anything like that? And if so, what, what is some good boundaries along with that to help you? Again, the whole idea here is to be where your feet are to have someone else help you do that. You know, I've been really fortunate. I mean, it doesn't always feel fortunate, but um, I'm very fortunate. My wife, she's a, she is not hold back on delivering feedback and uh, not above a good, a good uh, shot right between the eyes. So, <clears throat> and what, what a gift, um, but I don't always love hearing it. You know, for example, if I, if I am on my phone, cause I'm not perfect. I'm here. I'm, I'm not here to preach. I literally hear say like, here's how you become most effective. Um, and, and when I'm at my best self, this is how I'm living. Um, but I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I mean, my, my wife has pulled to like, I'll wait. That's her thing. I'll wait. Oh, wow. Like, no, 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 no. I, 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 you know, I'm like, no, I'm just, it's playoffs. I'm just checking. She's like, no, 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 that's more important. Like, I'll wait. And, um, you know, she, she's also like helped me center that time to come home. Like we need decompression time. And, um, and like, you know, we get in our cars. What's the first thing we do? Get on the phone. That's what we do because we have, we don't want to, we don't waste a second. We're in a traffic light. What do we do? We pick up our phones. It's like we need, when we get home, if you want to be a dad, you want to be a husband or a partner or a friend, whatever, to your roommate, when you get home, you want to be good, you know, owner of your pet when you get home, you need some time. And for me, it's, it's the how and the moon time in the car. That's, that's my time to decompress. Uh, I have a good friend of mine who always talks about having a worry tree. So I just touch it. All my worries go away before I walk in. I was like, I'd kill for a tree like that. I don't have that gift. <laughs> but but I, you know, I, I think um, what's hard for a lot of us who are hard charging and ambitious um, and hardworking is that you know, um, we're not always often open to feedback. We call it in our work called palms up. You know, literally your hands are up. That means like if you could, if you're having a tough conversation with me, um, you will walk in, my executives walk in and say, Scott, I need you to be palms up here. Meaning, Hey, we got some bad news coming partner. And I do not need you like telling me what to do or how to do it. I need you to listen. I need you to be open and I need your brain. Um, and I'm very emotional and I react oftentimes quickly. And so they'll come in and say, Hey, I need your palms up. The, the alternative is I'm, 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 I don't know if people will be listening or seeing this, but like folding your arms, this is the opposite of, of being palms up. This is, I'm folding my arms in front of me. And you know what this says is like, I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested. I know what I'm doing. I know everything. And guess where that gets you? It gets you nowhere. Like I'm so much more interested in solving problems, learning, thinking through complex issues, finding creative solutions. And that's going to come from more people. And the way you get more people engaged, even if you're a sole proprietor, is to open up a little bit. Be open to feedback. Ask for it. Find friends who are interested. Find your target audience in your network. Let them give you real feedback and be open to hearing it. Be open when you're stubborn on an issue or you're struggling with an issue. You know, we, we all have these, you know, I, I, I was uh, talking to a young group last week and I told them like, you know, they said, what are your biggest strengths? What are your biggest weaknesses? I'm like, they're the same. Like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, it actually does. Because when you're, I'm really hardworking. Well, you know what? Like, you know, maybe I'm not spending some time on stuff that's really most important. I'm really passionate. That can become emotional. 
I'm really competitive. That can become destructive. And so like we have incredible, we all have these incredible strengths, but, but we need strong people in our lives to let us know when those strengths start like edging towards the weakness line. My, my wife is, is probably similar to yours. Um, she's very quick with the feedback, which I appreciate. Communication is probably like our strongest suit. So I really respect that. But I've also asked friends. I have certain friends, not, not everyone I know, but I have a group of five guys, especially that I ask them, hey, if you notice I'm not here, like if I'm talking to you and it looks like I'm looking straight through you because I'm thinking about work or something else seems to be going on, call me out, ask me about it and make sure that I'm emotionally where I should be or if I need to be somewhere else. So I've got people that have permission in my life to do that. And I think that's a really important point. And this is a great segue to go into, I want to talk about something else from the book. It's actually chapter six, where you talked about assuming positive intent, because I think a lot of us really get this wrong in today's world, right? Can you explain first off what, what you mean by this chapter? Yes. So um, actually, if you came to my house, you'd see we have it actually carved into stone. So it's the last thing you see when you leave our house. And, um, and if you were in my house or in my work, you would hear when things get a little choppy, and they tend to do with teenage teenagers, and they tend to do it with a very high-intensity work environment, you'll hear API, API, which means assume positive intent, which is essentially like, whoa, we're on the same team here, guys. We are going to not assume the worst. We're going to assume the best. We're going to give you a clean slate. I'm going to take you at face value. I'm not going to have preconceived notions about what you possibly were intending. I'm going to assume that you are... What you said or did is emanating from love and goodness. And that's a, a core belief that I believe people are good. Um, and if you believe people are good, you need to assume positive intent. How that might manifest itself when, not, when things aren't happening. You get a call from your investor and all of a sudden your heart races and the heat starts running from your heart up to your head. You're not assuming positive intent. Your board calls, same thing. You know, somebody that, a, a vendor, um, you're a little late on a payment and a vendor calls. You know, maybe the vendor is calling to just check in, give it a chance. And what happens is we build these walls around us. And so we're not allowing those conversations to be positive. We're not allowing those interactives, interactions to be constructive or full of love. We're instantly creating barriers and friction. You know, th this point, I think we talked about like the phone and things like that. I actually think that this is actually something that keeps people away from where their feet are more than anything else is for some reason, our minds these days can be hardwired toward negativity. A great example of this, this is probably an extreme example, but I'll go back. This is 15 years in the past, Scott, that I'm about to share with you. But I was in high school at that point, and I was dating a girl who sent me a text uh, during school hours and said, hey, we need to talk later. And that's not a good text. Let's just say that. Like, I mean, I saw, like your eyes are like, uh-oh. Like, but all that she wanted to talk about was to see if I could come to her, her um, volleyball game later that week when I, she knew I already had plans. She wanted to see if I could move some things around. And of course, I, I nicely said like, hey, I've been stressed about that all day because I assumed it was gonna be something super negative because you said, hey, we need to talk later, which everyone knows what that means. Um, but it did in that case, but I assumed negativity out of it. When in reality, I knew that the person really cared about me at that point. Um, spoiler alert, didn't end up with that, that individual it was high school. But, um, you know, um, nonetheless, uh, it's something that we do throughout. Like when a client wants to talk to you, they might really like your product, but you're assuming, oh, they're going to say something negative about yeah. it. No, I think that's a great example. And, and that, that negative energy that took you from the time she sent that text until the time you met her, let's call it three hours. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. Like think of the energy you spent on that, that you could spend elsewhere. Because the result's going to be what the result's going to be, you know, but, but the interaction, and maybe you have a better opportunity to influence where, what the outcome is, but you certainly don't if you build that wall because you're coming in hot. And look, th this is something that I actually have to remind myself. That's why it's written down so many places. 
you know, because I'm, I am better. I'm a better deal maker. I am a better entrepreneur. I'm a better manager. I'm a better coach. I'm a better teacher. I'm a better mentor. I'm a better dad, I'm a better husband. When I literally go in free, I'm free. I'm empty headed. I'm not saddled. Think about the best example too, is your brothers and sisters growing up. Yeah. I don't know if you had any brothers and sisters, but I had three brothers and a sister. And I, I always, always loved them. I didn't always like them, you know? And you think about the crap, you know, or if you had a sister, I have daughters. So the interaction between mothers and daughters, there's so much stuff there, you know? And a lot of it is they're not assuming positive intent. They're just, you know, that friction. And, and I think about the energy and the negative energy and the, the, if you want to accomplish something great, if you want to be great, if you want to build a great company, if you want to build a world-class team, if you want to recruit people, if you want to retain top talent, if you're as an entrepreneur and you need people to do something on the house for you because you don't have the money to pay them and we've all been there and say, hey, I need a favor. You got to help me out. Boy, think about the difference if the person you're asking and you are walking into that conversation and they're assuming positive intent and you are. That's a totally different conversation. And it's not like you're always asking me for things. Oh, what do you need? Money? You need money again? Like that's not assuming positive intent. That's not making the world go round. Yeah. And again, this is a typical, very difficult thing for, for people to understand. Again, our, our, for whatever reason, our minds can be more wired toward negativity. Do you have any practical application or way that you, people can start reframing this mindset of instead of thinking negatively, they can start thinking more toward this, this positivity instead? What would you say to somebody who's, who's struggling with this a lot? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, for, for me, it's around what, what I try to do when I'm trying to change behavior is I try to bring it I bring the words to the forefront. So the way I understand the way the brain works is very different from the way I understood the brain to work when I was growing up. When I understood the way the brain work is, I would think something and I would say something. That's what I thought. That's the way I thought the world worked. It's actually the, the brain works quite the reverse. You actually say something and it goes into your subconscious and it can impact who you are and how you are. And so there, there are things you can do. Like if you're, you know, I'm quite a bit older than you, but in the 70s and 80s when I was growing up, my folks were into like um, positive affirmations, which I thought was ridiculous, by the way. You know, I'm great. I'm smart. I'm hardworking. I'm whatever. All the stuff. You need know, to say it out loud. And your mother's like, good job. Um, but, but there is something to that. And so to the extent that you're struggling with assuming positive intent, um, that might be something you put on your mirror in the morning. And it just says, I will assume positive intent in all my interactions today with my friends, with my family, with my work, with anybody in between. I will assume the best. Write that, stick it on the mirror, say it before you in the morning, out loud, which I know will be awkward, especially if you are not living by yourself. Um, you do it, and I, I will tell you it will have an impact. Another thing is you can create common language, which we do quite a bit. I mentioned before that my daughters will say API, API. They use it on me. They do whenever they can. Um, at work, that's common language. So there is a common uh, – so people kind of start to understand in your ecosystem uh, what's, what's critically important to you. So those are two tips. Those are great. You know, it reminds me of a scripture that simply says the power of life and death is in the tongue. And I believe it is so true. There's a lot of wisdom there that actually proves that, you know what, like what we say is what we believe, not the other way around. So that's a lot of wisdom that you just shared there. So thank you for that. Uh, moving along here, I, I just want to talk about this last part of the book It's actually chapter seven, then we'll close out this this episode here. But you talk about trusting the process. You have a quote there that says a journey of a 1000 miles begins with a single step. Can you talk about trusting the process? Sure. So trust in the process, uh, that phrase hails from the 76ers. And we had torn our team down, uh, down to the studs with a vision to create a better future. Um, and so the application for life is to be a little more long lead than you are. 
to get out from smack dab in front of that tree that we're in front of, pull back the lens a little bit, see the world, create a vision for a better future, chart out a plan as to how you're going to get there, and then dedicate the time every day. And it sounds really simple, but I feel like life now is we get on the treadmill and we just run. And we hop off for a second, we just take a break or get sick or go on vacation or hang with our kids and that's it. And then we hop back on and we run, 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 run. Like we're just not getting better, smarter, faster, more efficient um, or growing anything. Um, and, and part of that is like the cycle of work now because we can't turn it off, right? Something we yeah. talked about. Um, part of it is, is you know, I, I have a, a good friend of mine at work and I, I worked with her for a long time. If she wouldn't take vacations, that was a badge of honor. I'm like, Laura, this is crazy. Like vacation, that's where you refresh. That's where you read. That's where you study. That's where you reassess how you're doing and what you're doing. Um, so I, I think from our perspective, hop, hop off that treadmill and make sure that you have something. What do you want to accomplish? If you're listening to this and you don't know what you want to accomplish in a year or three years or five years, that's step number one. Two is, is like, how are you going to get there? It's not, I promise you it won't happen by accident. Like you are not winning the lottery. It's not going to happen. You know, like no big client is going to come in and buy your company for a hundred million dollars just because you're awesome and have a really good idea. It's not happening. It doesn't mean you can't build a hundred million dollar company. You can, you will, but man, there are a lot of steps to get there. And then are you willing to carve out the time? And I, the last thing I'll promise you in my trust the process journey is that it will not be linear. And you're either going to love that. And that's what being an entrepreneur is, or you're going to hate it and go back and work for the man. But if you, if you love that journey, if you love the pitfalls and the mistakes and the falls and the pivots, um, you know, we, we, my company, we invest in a lot of early stage companies. And I will tell you, like we invest in the management team because we figured there's no way an early stage pre-business plan, they know what they're doing. It's impossible. You, you just don't know. But we invest in smart people and talented people that have big vision. So I'd think about that. Those are great points. You know, for me personally, as an early stage founder myself, I'm, I think about something that I had to learn the hard way and I now keep it in front of me, but I was guilty of doing what most of us do, which is we way overestimate what we can do in a single day, but we way underestimate what we can do in a year or three years or five years. So it came to, instead of just uh, trying to figure out what I could do today, it was more so what am I, what's my goal in a year? And can I make this a journey instead of a sprint, right? So take the stairs instead of the elevator with this process of here's what I'm going to accomplish. And I've actually found that now I way underestimate what I can do in a year. I still overestimate what I can do in a day, but I'm, I'm learning and getting better as time goes on. I never thought about that in those terms. That, that's, I'm going to steal that. That's brilliant. I'm glad I could, could add some value here. Uh, Scott, this has been a super fun conversation here. I've learned a lot from this personally about helping just myself be where my feet are and I think the audience as well. And before we end, can you share a final thought on this topic for the Creating a Brand listeners? Sure. Um, I will tell you this. I have been around a lot of really successful people in my life. I've been around some incredible leaders, mentors, teachers, and coaches of mine. And I will tell you that there is no one simple way. There's no simple formula. There's no, you know, leader in a box, executive in a box, entrepreneur in a box. I have found that the, the best, most successful and talented people are their authentic selves every single time. And if you're your authentic self, we will follow you. Um, so I would spend a lot of time figuring out who you are who you aspire to be, but who you are in your core. And I think it'll, you'll serve you well. I love that. Scott, thank you so much for your time today and just sharing all your wisdom with us. Alex, you're incredible. Continued success in all that matters. 
As soon as I finished recording this episode with Scott, I told my wife, Alicia, that I feel like I just made a new friend. I greatly respect Scott for all of his achievements and his continued curiosity and desire to learn. Scott was actually taking notes while I was talking and saying a few things during this episode that really stood out to him, and I really love that. He shared so much value today, and I hope this conversation inspires you to begin being where your feet are and learning wherever you are at. Scott, thank you again for being a guest and sharing your experiences and wisdom with us on the topic of making our lives and work more meaningful. For links to Scott O'Neill's book, Be Where Your Feet Are, and for links to the teams that he's involved with, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 116. Thank you as always for listening. I'm looking forward to bringing you another Masterclass episode next week.